Thanksgiving and all. So did everybody get enough to eat? <laughs> yeah, don't even lie. Uh, don't even lie. Hey, it's hard to believe uh, we're kicking off our Christmas series today. Is that not insane? We are four weeks away from Christmas. I, I mean, come on, is anybody, that is crazy. Yeah, I'm glad he's excited. Uh, I'm glad somebody's excited about it. Y'all going to have to wake up or it's going to be a long day. Listen, I, I, am, uh, I am driving on Theraflu and cough syrup. So if y'all don't wake up, this could go a long time. So, uh, but uh, also we will, in four weeks from today is Christmas, we will be having one service that day at 11 a.m. And about seven years ago, the last time it, uh, Christmas fell on Sunday, we decided we pre-recorded a, a service so families could stay home. We caught a lot of flack uh, about that. And, and I understand that, but what I also want you to understand, too, on that day when a lot of people are spending time with their families, that Christmas morning, uh, you may have to show up at 11 o'clock, but those that are serving here get here at 8 that morning, and so they don't have time to spend with their families. So that Sunday will be a scale back. We'll do an acoustic worship set. It'll be just a, a quick service that day, but we want to open that up for people because it is a special day when we just come out for that intimate setting for that. So uh, I, did I... I guess I'm already announcing these things. Anyway, the next four Sundays, guys, are prime opportunities for you to invite. Now I know why I'm saying that. For you to invite, I told you I'm on Theraflu and coughs here, man. Uh, but prime opportunities for you to invite people to church. And you may say, well, Kelly, uh, I, my friend, I've got a friend that's a skeptic. They're skeptics. Can I be honest with you? I, I, I understand I am a very, by nature, I am very skeptical myself, not when it comes to God, but when it comes to religion, I'm very skeptical. I'm very skeptical when it comes to these uh, conspiracy theories. Now, listen, I know some of you, don't shut me down, because I know a lot of you, you buy into these uh, conspiracy theories. Uh, me, I'm not one of those, I am not easily persuaded when it comes to those. In fact, I did a little research on some of the top conspiracies out there uh and if you want to kill ours there are thousands of conspiracies online but here's some of my favorite did you know reptiles are running the world actual apparently george bush bill clinton queen elizabeth barack obama are shape-shifting humanoids otherwise known as reptilians It's an actual thing. Uh, here's another one that is very controversial. Uh, we never landed on the moon. See, look at there. That all was filmed on a movie soundstage. It was a deleted scene from 2001, A Space Odyssey. Now, I don't want to get into this debate with you, so let's just move on. One of the most disturbing um, conspiracy theories is this, though. Big Mac special sauce is actually just Thousand Island dressing. Mm. Wrap your head around that one. And this is an actual one. Did you know, as of 2017, birds aren't real. This came on the scene as a kid. See? We've got crazy people even among us. We've got crazy people even living among us. 
If you shout it out, I am not the kind pastor. No, I will give a heckler hell. So let's keep moving on. I told you, Theraflu and and cough syrup, boys. Uh, They say that they are surveillance drones created by the U.S. That's an actual belief. So I guess you need to talk to God about all those fake birds he created in the garden. Here's another one. Elvis and Tupac aren't dead. There were, in fact, Elvis and Tupac are working on a collaborative album. <laughs> California Love in Blue Hawaii. <laughs> but by far the worst, and more disturbing to me, is this conspiracy theory. Professional wrestling is not real. <laughs> listen, listen. God loves all sinners, but y'all got some ones. You want to speak up. So anyway, naturally, I'm a skeptical person, and I hope you understand the humor, and we're not opening it up for a debate because you would not win. Uh, so let's move on. But those are just a few of the thousands of conspiracies that you can find online. But there's one that I am actually convinced of, has been going on for a long time, continuing going on, and that is this. If you're taking notes, Christmas is being modified. And if you want to know what I mean, here's the definition of modify. To make partial or minor changes to something, typically so as to improve or to make it less extreme. Now, I'll say this. The modifications have not improved Christmas. But I'll say this. They are trying to make it less extreme. What do you mean less extreme? Here's what I mean. There was a time when Christmas, the center focus, the center theme was on Jesus. But now the central focus has been moved to us or me. It's all about us or me or what I want. There has been a modification of Christmas. So today I want us to try to recenter, refocus on what this season is really about. And today kicks off something called Advent. And a lot of people don't really understand what Advent is. So here's a short video just to kind of help you understand what Advent is. Talk about the history of Advent. Maybe when you think about Advent, you think about a calendar with pieces of chocolate or scriptures or prayers to pray leading up to Christmas. And that certainly is a wonderful part of the Advent tradition. But Advent is so much more than what you think it is. The word Advent simply means arrival or a coming. We prepare for what matters most to us. When a wedding is happening, when a new baby is coming, or when someone simply is coming over to your home for dinner, you prepare. And Advent is an invitation to prepare for Jesus to come into the mess of our lives, to come into the busyness of this season. Christians around the world have seen this season as an opportunity to slow down, to recognize the fact that Jesus really did come. He really is coming again. And he really wants to be a part of your life right here. So whatever's going on in your life right now, whatever Christmas season feels like to you, and whatever you think of Advent, The history of Advent says that you are welcome to participate in this story, that there's something about your story connected to the big story of God with us 
that he wants to invite you in. Will you be a part? Advent and the invitation to invite Jesus into our mess, our lives. A time for us to slow down, refocus. Anybody go out Black Friday shopping? We, we went out Black Friday shopping, and we just did it because we like watching some of the craziness that's going on. But the thing is, I, I could say I saw little to zero uh, thing about, hey, the season we're in is about Jesus. It's about what can I get? What can we get? What, what's going on? But Advent is before Sundays, before Christmas. And those four weeks are meant for us to slow down, refocus on what the season is all about. And that's why we celebrate. It means the arrival, the arrival of a noble, uh, notable person. And, and that's what it's, it's not about gifts. It's not about the food. It's not about shopping. It's not about mistletoe. Christmas or Advent is about the arrival of Jesus. God becoming man. And that's why we celebrate it. So now, now let, me, let me ask you this. Uh, anybody ever had, you, you've got Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner or just a party, and someone shows up with someone that uh, you don't really know anything about them. They just, they, they, they left it up to themselves to bring a plus one, but you know nothing. You ever had that happen? That can get awkward because the questions start flying. Uh, Who's with you? Who you got with you today? Uh, well, is this a romantic relationship or a friend relationship? Are you dating? You know, is this going to go any further? See, I can see some of y'all have had this awkward conversation. And here's, here's what you need to understand if you're taking notes is this. Who's with you matters. Who's with you matters. But you know what matters more? Knowing who's with you. Knowing who's with you. You ever, you ever been out with that friend you've been friends with for a long time and they do something that goes like, I don't even know you. Who are you? You ever been like that? See, that means knowing who's with you matters. Let's, 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 we'll get a little dark here for a moment. Uh, anybody remember the BTK killer? Stood for blind, bind, torture, kill. For more than 30 years, he traumatized the community in Wichita, Kansas, where he tortured and murdered 10 people, including two children. His wife of 34 years says she had no idea that he was doing this. Anybody think for her, knowing who's with her would have been a really good idea? What about John Wayne Gacy? In 1972, he married a divorcee with two young daughters. Three years later, after getting married to her, he told his, uh, his then wife that he was bisexual and on Mother's Day informed her that this would be their last Mother's Day together. She would later divorce him. He was convicted of 33 sex-related murders in 1978. He was married to this woman from 72 to 76. She says she never knew he was committing these crimes or that two of the victims were buried in their own house. Anybody think that would have been a really important to know who's with you? We'll line it up. Anybody remember the 1994 classic film, True Lies? 
Truly, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jamie Lee Curtis. Here was the premise of this movie. Uh, uh, Arnold was this spy, undercover spy, been doing this a long time. Well, well, his wife, Jamie Lee Curtis, had no clue that he was a spy. She thought he was just this boring guy who lived life, didn't do anything exciting, and was kind of getting frustrated because there was no excitement. Well, there's one point where... They're both tied up. The bad guys have got both of them. And, and so you see Arnold, he's kind of tripping. And she says, what's wrong? What do they give you? And he says, this uh, truth serum. And she's like, well, how do we know if it's working? He said, well, just ask me something that I wouldn't normally be honest with you about. She said, are we going to die? He said, oh, most definitely. <laughs> and he begins to tell her how they're going to die. And she's like, stop it, stop it. But then she says, how long have you been a spy? He says, 17 years. See, who's with you matters. But in that moment, knowing who's with you matters more. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. This is where the angel tells Joseph what's about to happen to him and his fiancée, starting with verse 21. She, Mary, will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name of Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, this announcement that, that this angel is making, it is one that the Jewish people have been waiting on their entire lives. They've been waiting on their Messiah, their Savior. And Matthew makes this announcement and that this is the good news of the gospel. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Now Matthew's about to quote the prophet Isaiah, a, a prophecy that was given about the Messiah over 740 years before Christ was born. And it said this, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. That's what the word God, Emmanuel, that's what it means. God with us. How many have ever prayed a prayer like that? God be with us. God, God be with me. I, I mean, God, God be with me as I take this test. Uh, Holy Spirit, bring back, bring it back to my remembrance. I've never studied, I don't, I never studied for it. And Holy Spirit's like, I'd bring it back to remembrance if you ever studied it. Uh, or God be with me as I go on this job interview. God be with me as I go out shopping. Help me to get a parking place up close. Then I know you'll, you love me. God be with us. We've all prayed some form of that prayer. But what does it mean, God with us? God, God to, what does that look like? And, and to those that were listening to Matthew saying, Emmanuel, God with us. Man, it meant a lot more than what it means to us today because we kind of watered that phrase down. God, be with me through this. God, be with me through that. And we throw out these little flippant prayers. But to those listening on, man, it caught their attention that the Son of God would be called Emmanuel, God with us, because ever since they could remember, they were taught God was untouchable. He was unapproachable. His holiness, you could not be in it. And they had heard the stories about how Moses couldn't even look on the face of God. In fact, he had to turn, it, and turn away from him until God had gone by. Then look at the rear of him. 
they, they knew the stories about how Moses, after he had encountered with God, his face would glow and to the point where he had to put something over his face. They knew the stories about how in the temple, the priests were the only ones allowed into that inner sanctuary. In fact, they, they had to make sure they were prayed up real well because what they would do, they would tie a rope around the priest's ankle. And the priests wore these bells on the end of their robes so that they could tell he was still in there, still alive. Because if that priest entered in there with any sin, he was dead. And they'd take that rope and pull him out. And they knew these stories. And now here Matthew is saying, God, Emmanuel is no longer distant, unapproachable. Only, only select few can get there. But now the common everyday man, God, is with us. And man, it, 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 made, it caused a stir within them. You want to know what made the shepherds in the field run back rejoicing after hearing it? You want to know what caused wise men to bow down before a toddler and worship it? It was this fact that God is no longer distant, no longer far off, uninvolved God. He's no longer someone just watching over us. But no, God now is with us. He with, was, is with us. God is no longer distant. God stripped himself of his glory and became like one of us in the form of a baby. And Matthew announces this advent, this arrival, the coming of the one they'd spent their entire lives longing for. And he's now here. You know what the problem was? Even with the announcement, most of them didn't believe God is with us. And... Don't think that odd because there's a lot of you in here that don't believe that either, that God is really with you. Uh, come on, I, you're, some of you, I've said it, uh, it don't feel like God's with me. It sure don't look like God's with me. I hear what you're saying, but hey, what I'm going through right now, it sure don't feel like God's with me. And there are Christians that when you tell them God is with them, they say, I don't feel like he's with me. There's no goosebumps. There's no tingling feelings. I mean, no, I don't feel like he's with me. And here's the problem. This, this time of year, this season, it's like a magnifying glass. And I'll tell you what I mean. If during this season things are bad, well, when, the, when this season hits, it magnifies it and makes it seem three times as bad as what it really is. The same is true if things are good. If things are good when this season hits, oh my, it's time. It's Christmas time. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And it magnifies those things. But here's the problem. To everybody, it's not the most wonderful time of the year. Some are facing an empty chair this holiday season. Someone that used to be there, but they're not there anymore. And I'm not just talking about death. I'm talking about divorce or distance. Maybe it's health issues. Maybe it's financial issues or relational issues that you're going through. And there are times when you think, you know what? Where is God in this? Because if God is with me, I sure don't feel like it. Can we be honest in here today? Come on, church. I, I don't sense God. I don't feel like God. I just don't see it. Then there are those in here, if we're honest, would say, you know what? Pastor, there are some things in my life 
that I am so ashamed of, why would God be with me? Why, why, I, I don't even want to be with myself sometimes, so why would God be with me? And I get that more than you know. But I want to give you three truths that you need to really lay in. And here's the first one. God is with you. Is with you. You may not feel like he's with you. You may not see any tangible signs that he's with you. But he is with you. I want you, I want you to see the first thing that the angel said to Mary, this teenage girl, when he told her that, that she, was, she was about to give birth and she was going to be, she was the chosen one. Luke 1, 28. The angel went to her, Mary, and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The first truth this angel proclaimed to Mary, this very young teenage mom, is this. The Lord is with you. Why? Because he knew she would need to know that God is with her. Because you got a teenage girl here that's about to get married, and now she's pregnant. Don't, come on, you live in a small town. You know what rumors and how they go. And now she's got to say, well, no, no, I'm pregnant, but I, I didn't have sex before I got married. It's God's baby. Yeah, try, try going home and telling that. And here she is. She would need to know God is with me because I'm going to face a lot of criticism. I'm going to face a lot of looks. I'm going to face a lot of things, and I need to know God is with me. Paul, man, in Luke, or in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, said this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, who comforts us. He's the God of all comfort. You might want to underline that word uh, comfort. Uh, I thought Pastor Ben was going to preach some of my messages this morning in the first service. Because the root Greek word that is translated as comfort is the word parakletos. Here's what it means, para, alongside, kleto, call to. What that verse is literally saying, what Paul is saying is this. God is coming alongside of you to minister to you in your time of hurt. He's coming alongside of you when you find yourself not feeling like he's there, feeling like wonder world. He's coming alongside to be that comfort, that parakletos with you. And when you begin to understand and realize that the God of the universe is with you, listen, that changes everything. Let's make it a little more clear. What I'm saying is this, when you're lost and you don't know where to go, he is with you as your guide. When you're hurting and you feel alone, he is with you as your friend. When you are sick, he is with you as a healer. When you are tired and weak, God is with you as your strength. When you're in the middle of a trial and you feel like you're at the end of your rope, God is there as your paracletos, your comforter. If you're lost in your sin, God desperately longs to be there as your Savior. The second thing you need to know is this. God was with you. Now, I know we're not supposed to focus a lot on our past, but there are some times that we need to look back and say, oh, I remember God was right there. God was right there. Times that it didn't seem like God was with you. Times you felt forgotten because God didn't answer the prayer like you thought he should answer it. 
But now as you look back, you can see God's hand all over those unanswered prayers. Come on, in the words of Garth Brooks, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. And you see that. Anybody remember uh, Joseph in the Bible? Not, not Jesus' stepdad, but the coat of many colors, Joseph. That, that guy. His brothers really didn't like Joseph and the dreams that God was giving him uh, because all of his dreams had them winding up bowing down and worshiping him. And nobody wants to worship. Oh, one day I'm going to worship my little brother, my baby brother. Uh, nobody likes that still. So what do they do? Well, they beat him up. They throw him into a pit to die. Then in a moment of mercy, one of the brothers says, Hey, let's don't leave him in the pit to die. Let's sell him into slavery. Such a merciful brother. Um, so they sell him into slavery. Joseph gets taken to Egypt. He gets sold to one of Pot uh, Pharaoh's officials, Potiphar. And look what it says. After Joseph had been beaten, thrown in a pit, left to die, then sold into slavery. Look what it says, Genesis 39-2. The Lord was with Joseph. It doesn't feel like the Lord's with me. I mean, Lord, I, going through this beating, it sure don't feel like you're with me. Being thrown into a pit doesn't feel like you're with me. Sold into slavery doesn't feel like you're with me. Well, then not long after that, Potiphar's wife, she keeps coming on to Joseph. She keeps coming. And now listen, we give Joseph a lot of credit for saying no, but we really don't know what she looked like. She may have been an ugly woman. Anyway, let's move on. So, so come on, Mike, that's funny. But, but anyway. But he keeps saying no, keeps saying no. She gets her feelings hurt, grabs his coat off of him as he's fleeing from her, and then she accuses him of trying to rape her. Falsely accused of rape, he gets thrown into prison, and look what verses 20 and 21 says. While Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. Well, that's great, Lord. I'd rather you be with me outside of prison but here in prison. And here's the thing. If you look at this story from a distance or right in the heat of the moment, it does not look like God is with him. I mean, it doesn't. Where, you, you'll be saying, where is God in all of this? Where is God when Joseph's being beaten? Where is God when he's getting thrown into a pit left to die? Where is God when he's been sold into slavery? Where is God when he's been falsely accused of rape? Where is God in all of this? But as you see, when you look, because we get the overview, we can see every step of the way. The Lord was with Joseph. God was with God. God was with you. I remember when we were living down in Suwannee, Georgia. And uh, Kennedy uh, had wrecked her car. It wasn't her fault, but we could not afford. The, the, the person that hit her did not have insurance. We could not afford to replace her car. We were willing to, like, I guess we're going to go get a loan to replace this car, even though we're trying to be debt-free and not have any payments. So one Sunday, this, this couple that we were good friends, they invite us out to lunch. And we're just sitting there just talking, and then they finally say, hey, you know what? We felt like God has impressed us to buy Kennedy a car. God was with us. I'm telling you, God was with us. I remember years ago when I was having these spells, 
uh, where I would almost black out. And it was very scary because it was right, right after my dad had had his first heart attack. And so, of course, in my mind, I'm having a heart attack. And I remember one time it got so scary for me at home, I told Denise and said, hey, let's go to the emergency room. We went to the emergency room. They pumped this stuff through my, through my body to check it out. Nothing, thank God, there was nothing there. They don't really know what was happening, but there was nothing there. Well, a couple of weeks we f later, we found something, a huge hospital bill. <laughs> so Denise calls to check on setting up payments to pay this off. And the hospital person there in the office said, uh, we've got no bill. It's your, your bill's been paid completely off. God was with us. I remember a few months back, Denise and I, Juno and Sonny, our grandkids, coming back from Atlanta for my son Zion's birthday. About 11.30 that night, and we got, off, we got over in the right-hand lane to get off at Bucky's to get some of that cheap gas. Listen, hey, gas prices, I'll, whatever helps. And uh, the transfer truck in front of us was going super slow, like 10 miles an hour, and I just thought, well, everybody's getting off this exit. So I just stayed there, car length and a half behind him. Then out of nowhere, a minivan, never seeing us, hits us in the rear doing 70-plus miles an hour, projecting us into the semi in front of us. And I remember, man, uh, I, I remember we, we posted pictures of the accident, and then as soon as we posted it, our, uh, our uh, insurance people said, take those down until we get through all this. Um, because we wanted people to see what God had done. And uh, I remember being at the emergency room with Denise, and she had four broke ribs, and, and luckily our grandkids, not luckily, man, it was a God thing, that they had very limited bruising on them. And I remember the, the Georgia trooper come over and talking to us, and he said, the impact your vehicle took from behind and then the front, no one should have walked away from that accident. What happened? God was with us. God was with us. There are stories in this place that I could tell one right after another of people I know that God was with them. One of my favorites is, is our creative director, Candace Wallace, who for 25 years was an atheist. And, went, and she tells a story. She went to the bookstore to buy a book from this atheist author. Well, the book she got was turned out he was an ex-atheist. And began to talk about how God began to encounter her. Well, a few days later, two women show up on her front door asking her if they can pray without, uh, with her about anything. And I'm going to tell you, when you look back, when she looks back, God was with her even when she didn't believe in him. Oh, man, I'm telling you. I think about a couple in here, man, Bradley and Erica Stewart. I think about Bradley showing up here at the church fresh out of jail, sober, and begin talking to Denise and I, hey, I want you to pray for my fiance, Erica. Yes, she's still using it. She says she's clean. And, and Dan and Melinda, they know you hear this story so many times. They say they're clean. They say they're doing good. And, and but he's like, and man, when I saw two weeks ago, I was at the, the young adults, uh, Friendsgiving, and I watched this guy. Get up there and do karaoke with his wife sitting out there and their new baby. 
I felt even in jail, even in their addiction, God was with them. God was with them. I think about another couple, Jesse and Paula Chambliss. Then when they first came here, man, he was an alcoholic, and he would call himself sober because he no longer did drugs, but he was drinking. And I remember having a talk with him about that. Their marriage was about to die. It was, it was gone under. And I look now how Jesse has gotten involved with AA, got involved with CR, and their marriage has been completely why? Because even in their addiction, even in their alcoholism, even in their marriage full of hell, God was with them, guys. I'm telling you, I could go on and on because I know the power of God being with us. I know 30-something uh, years ago, sitting back there where Aaron and Haley are sitting, God was with this lost and broken man here that was sitting back there running from God. I know a few years ago when Haley and Aaron walked through the loss of a son that even though it was the toughest time of their life, as they look back, they can see God was with them through every step. I know that because I know me and Denise, when we lost a son, I look back and I see, hey, God was with us during those times. I look back and remember one year that, that my dad and Denise's dad both got diagnosed with cancer and within three months died of each other. And through all of that, God was with us. Some of you today, you can't see it and you sure don't feel it. But you need to hear this. God is with you. And look back at the time and you'll see that God was with you also. Third thing you need to know is this. God will be with you. No matter what you may go through in the future, God will be with you. I, I want us to think about this teenage girl, Mary. Had to understand that God would be with her. I, I imagine if she could have seen in the future of her life and her little boy's life. And when that angel said, the Lord will be with you. What would she have said if she could see into the future? Maybe she had said something like this. God would be with me when I conceive this child by the Holy Spirit. And God will be with me when I have to tell my soon-to-be husband, Joseph. And God would be with Joseph when the angel talks to him in a dream. And then God would be with us when we travel on a donkey's back for 100 miles. And God would be with us when there was no room for us in the inn. And God would be with me when I gave birth to the Son of God in a stable. And God would be with me when I was on the run trying to save the life of my son. And God would be with me when, when our 12-year-old son was in the temple. We couldn't find him. We were frantically searching for him. And when we did find him, he was there teaching. God would be with us. And God would be with me at the wedding feast in Cana. When they ran out of wine, and I walked up to my son and said, Son, do what you do. God would be with me. And that's amazing. That's amazing, Mary. Those are some incredible things, man, to see and witness. And Mary might say, well, that's not all. Because God would be with me when I watch my son suffer brutally on a cross. God would be with me as I watched him have his back beaten and him beaten to where he was unrecognizable. 
God would be with me when I watched them make this makeshift cross out of thorns and press it into his head. God would be with me as I watched them make him carry his own cross up a road. And then they drove snails into his hands and his feet. God would be with me when I saw him say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. And then God would be with me when the earth went dark. And God would be with me when the whole earth shook. And God would be with me on that first night when I was waiting and I was hurting. And then God would be with me on that second night when I waited and I wondered. And God would be with me on the third day when we would see the stone rolled away and proclaim that he is risen. Yes, God was with me all of the way. He is Emmanuel. God is with us. God was with us and God will be with us whatever you're going through. See, Mary had to make a choice. If I can get Bubba to come on up. The same choice that every one of us have to make on a daily basis when we go through stuff. Our faith is in God, not in the outcome we want. Our faith has got to be in God, not in the outcome we want. Are we going to define God by our circumstances? Look at what's going on in my life. God doesn't care. Are we going to define him by those things that happen? Or are we going to define God that he is a man of his word and he said he would be with me? Guys, we can spend our time, our effort, and all of our energy trying to understand and interpret what went wrong, why it went wrong. We can do that or we can choose to trust that God is who he says he is. Paul said it this way in Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, naked, Unanswered prayers, danger, or sword. Jump down three verses. Paul says this, through all of it, I'm convinced neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God. Let me give you the simple interpretation of that. Paul is saying God is with me. God was with me. And God will always be with me. David knew this. That's why he said this in Psalms 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why could David make a bold statement like that? Because he had settled this fact in his heart long ago that who's with you matters, but knowing who's with you matters more. Knowing that God is with you matters more. Guys, it's settled. It's not up for debate. God is with you. God was with you. And God will be with you. Today is the beginning of Advent, the very reason we celebrate Christmas, the arrival of Jesus. But here's what I know. There are some here today or even watching online. There are some here, this is the happiest time of the year for you. 
You could not wait for Christmas to get here. In fact, you were trying to weigh out the pros and cons. Is it worth me being talked about by putting up my Christmas tree, listening to Christmas music, and watching Christmas movies before Thanksgiving? I mean, you're the, you're, you're the Jonathan in this scenario. Jonathan's, I think, Christmas tree stays up year-round. But there are others. You're not so excited because you know this season is going to invoke some bad feelings, bad memories, some pain, some loss. This past week, we had all our kids in and did this big, big Thanksgiving dinner on Wednesday nights and the Thursday because it was the one time in a long time that actually all of our kids and grandkids were there for that for Thanksgiving. And man, we had a blast. We, we, uh, uh, Zion, my son's fiance, got to see uh, if she really wanted to be a part of this family or not. Because we are a loud family. And I, yeah, Jan knows. We are a very, and we, we like to get, we are a very competitive family when it comes to games. Listen, I don't care if we're playing shoots and ladders or Monopoly or cards. My goal is to win. Even if you're a five-year-old, I want to teach you a lesson that life is not always, you don't get a participation trophy. But we had a blast. But there are others here, though experienced loss this past week I think about the families of the Walmart victims where the manager came in shot up the break room what their holidays must be like I think about others in this body that there'll be an empty chair at their table not not even necessarily because of death but because of separation or because of divorce I think of those in here that would love to be with their family love to be with their kids but the choices that they made in the past has kept them from doing that here's what I want you to know and what I want you to remember as you walk through these times whether it's the happiest time of the year or you're treading it Emmanuel is the promise to us God is with us God was with us God will be with us. Here's the only question, guys, that needs to be settled today. Are you with God? That's the only question that needs to be settled. Because he is Emmanuel, God with us. And more than anything else, we heard the guy say this on the, uh, the Advent. He is inviting us. He's saying, listen, invite me into your mess. Invite me into what's going on. I want to be part of your life. I want to be part of the brokenness. That I want to come in and fix those things in your life. And he wants to reveal his love, his character, hope in us. He wants to reveal that he is no longer a far-off, uninvolved God, but he wants a relationship with you, with I. That's why he came. That's why we celebrate Advent, because God became a man. God stepped down from heaven so that he could say, Listen, I'm tired of being distant. I want relationship. God is with you. Stand with me across this room. He is with you. He came to heal you came to forgive your sin 
He came to walk you through your brokenness. Man, heads bowed up. Let's close. I believe there are some in here right now that he de- God desperately wants a relationship with you, but you have just kind of been keeping him at a distance. And God is saying, invite me into your mess. Invite me into your broken world. Invite me into your pain, your hurt. All I'm waiting for is an invitation. And there are some of you today that need so desperately to surrender and begin to say, yes, God is with me, but I need you to know that I am now with God. If you're here this morning, in this time right now, and that's you. You need to surrender your life to Christ today. You want to invite him into your mess. You want to invite him into your brokenness, into that pain, or into that world. You want to, you want to do that today. Just raise your hand. I will not embarrass you. I promise you. I promise you I will not embarrass you. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes, sir. In the back. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Keep those hands raised for me, please. Keep, keep them up for me, please. up for me, Danny. You turn around and pray to that man right, young man right there. Keep those hands up. I'm going to get somebody to you. Jesus, Jesus. Hey, Manny, would you mind going and pray with that gentleman with his hand raised right over there? God is moving. I'm telling you, God's working. Hey, Scott, go pray to that gentleman on the very back row holding the baby. Very back row back there holding the baby. He's got a hat on. I'm telling you, God is moving right now. God is moving right now. I've got one more prayer request before we move on. But sing, sing that uh, chorus.